If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, Jeff Cameron Show, how you doing? 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to have you on board. Welcome in. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. Director Matthew, right there. You know, when we start, whenever we begin these uh, hours, I'm always tempted to ask just because the newness of it all is still here. It's still something that I think about. Tom, uh, it would make me old immediately and it would be a weird thing, so I don't do it, but I'll do it today. What's the weather like in New York, buddy? (laughs) uh it is chilly ish it's the wind so i think today it's getting up to 40 but the wind is keeping the the chill down around 28 30 degrees so a little bit of a front i'm looking out the backyard right now there's still a good pile of snow from monday's snow event and uh ice this is again i said yesterday you do the calculations differently when you get older. When you're young, if you're bundled up the way kids are with you these walk Michelin out techniques, boldly, yeah, man. If I slip and fall, who cares? That's awesome. Now, now it's whoa. That that could be a three footer. That's a problem. That could so, be a torn ACL. Is what that could be. Yesterday, they, uh, overnight, actually, there were wind gusts over 45 miles an hour up here. Man. Every was, damn day with you guys up there, it's crazy. Well, we're right on the water, so that, that'll Wind do it. swept, yeah. I just was kind of curious. And then here's something else I was curious about, because we're the first generation I was, mine was, uh, that grew up playing video games. So if you're my age, you grew up in all likelihood playing video games. In fact, if you're slightly older than me, I'm 52 for those wondering, if you are, say, 60, you probably did not. You probably did not. And in many ways, if we had a larger discussion – you would say that's a good thing. And I don't necessarily agree or disagree with that. I, I could see both sides of it. But what is true is that if you're my age, you, you got to play that first Atari 2600. Hell, we had Pong, Tom. We had Pong. Um, we had Pong, and it was awesome. And when you look at it now, you're like, how did anybody ever think this was awesome? But we did. <laughs> Duke. 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 Duke, this is incredible. 
Duke. Look, I turn the wheel and it moves. Duke. Duke. That's what we did. We did that, and we thought it was awesome. I can't believe – what kind of world are we going to live in? Anyhow, so that that happened with Pong. Then Atari 2600, I can remember the craze for the Atari 2600. I can remember begging my stepdad. This is how ungrateful I was. All little kids are, all of them, incredibly ungrateful. They all want to be smacked. It's unreal how ungrateful they are. Money grows on trees. You hear your parents say it, right? It's just like that's the whole thing. But I was one of them. And I once said to my stepdad, can we get the Atari 2600 when it comes out? Can we get it the day it comes out? I don't think we need to wait. He's like, I don't know how we can get it. I did, we, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe we can. Maybe we can't. It's, it, it's very expensive, son. We'll see. And I would say, and I did say, you're an attorney. You can afford the Atari 2600 more than everybody else can, other than doctors. You better be in that line to get the Atari 2600. Now, how ridiculous of a kid. What a re- He should have smacked me, but he didn't, and he was in that line, and we got our Atari 2600. <laughs> Not because of what I demanded, Tom, just because I think he was curious like everybody else, and he could afford it, so we got it. And then, you know, you wanted to play Pac-Man, damn it. You had to play Pac-Man. And that version of Pac-Man was awful. It was awful. But we thought it was the greatest thing ever. The damn dots went through the top of its head. It was annoying as hell like that was just now. It was incredible. But we that thought I, That either sounded like the Martians and Mars attacks perfectly, or it sounded like Louis Anderson perfectly. <laughs> I had it. So, yeah. And- and now I'm wondering if the Mars Attacks Martians were voiced by Louis Anderson. Anderson. So we got it, and then we had Pac-Man, and then later on, my favorite game of all time is one that very few people played. I think it was made by Activision. It was a downhill skiing game, and you had to take a picture of your sorry-ass screen because we didn't know it, but televisions were terrible back then, and we would take pictures of our screen if we got certain times, and you send it off to Activision, and they would send you a patch back, and we would check the mail every day to see if the patch had come because if you got a gold medal then you could tell your brother that he sucked and you were awesome and you had a gold medal. And we put the patch uh, in, the, in the console ne- holder, which my stepdad built in the garage, which is this wooden box, because <laughs> he wanted it to be clean and not he didn't want the Atari 2600 strewn about the floor. So here's the thing. Why am I bringing any of this up? You're saying, what the hell is he talking about? Did you see? Did you see the reveal? Were you tuned in? Did you watch EA Sports? College football, 25 official official trailer. The full reveal will be in May, by the way, but uh, the, the Twitter account of EA Sports College wrote, yeah, it's really happening, exclamation point, coming this summer, full reveal in May, and then you could watch a little trailer. And I thought to myself... Because I was raised playing video games, here I sit all this time later at 52, father of a 16-year-old son and a soon-to-be 14-year-old son, and I am giddy like a little schoolgirl. I am sitting there watching that preview going, look at it. It's beautiful. (laughs) I can't believe it's real. It's going to happen. And most of it, 
most of it is just kind of like showing their behind the scenes designs of stuff that they're going to use. Like, you know, they're, they're showing the 3d grid of stadiums and statues and mascots. And then they're showing you three or four uh, uniforms that they got ready to go. One of which is Florida state's roadie uniform, which mm-hmm. is a part of that reveal. I can tell you that. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped for this. I, I hope that the engine for the game, this is what they call it, but the engine for the game is smooth because the college engine some would say that it was always just Madden's from the year prior. Like they would, they would just toss the old one at NCAA and say, "Okay, here you go." Man, I'm telling you, read options, option pitches, right, triple options, right? Was so much smoother in, in uh, NCAA football as it was called at the time, more than it was Madden. So here's hoping that they can still capture that because if they can, we're in business. I will tell you as well. I'm excited enough that I've started delving into a little bit of Madden from a couple of years ago to start building my offense. I want to get my philosophies (laughs) and I want to get going with the modern engines. I just want to see how these games play. Does the read option work a little bit differently? Man, I haven't played Madden in two or three years. And the one that I got, I hardly played in the first place. But I'm starting to build the philosophies of how I want my program to look. I'm ready to go for this. Yes. It's funny um, because that's therein lies the rub. That's the whole thing. Because we're past, you said it last hour, we're too old to play football at an elite level. We all know it. P. Simpson, that's well done. As giddy as Kirk Herbstreet watching Alabama beat a five-win Auburn team. My God. <laughs> what a you, celebration you that day. Did, did he go to school there? Did, <laughs> I, did I miss something? <laughs> oh, yeah. They were jumping around the booth, weren't they? In retrospect, that's an interesting look. It's, it's a very- well, he if in fact it was just because it was a crazy ending, he must hate that that video is out there because he knows how it looks. He has to, you know. In fact, I think they both knew how it looked because Fowler almost immediately, the first chance he got, said, "We're like you guys. We're college football fans, and we were watching just before coming on that inning. We couldn't believe our eyes." He was trying to get out in front of what he knew was going to be the question, like, "What's going on over here?" Why are those two guys so damn happy about that play? That that certainly didn't feel objective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, here's why. Because they knew that Nick Saban would be joining the ESPN family the next year, and they're happy for their colleague. I, I, said, for I said that right away. I was like, look, well, you can see where this is going. I mean, that rumor was out there before the football season began that he was, he was going to be walking away. And, you know, let's be honest, it's been tough for Lee. Uh, I think they, they needed a graceful way to kind of maybe make that transition here soon. Uh, all right, back to what I thought, though, is that here we were watching this, and I thought it's just ridiculous. Here I'm as excited as every other 50-something-year-old man that just saw this preview because we grew up playing these games. But what it allows you to do when you are too old to play the sports you once played is to pretend you are coaching currently with your little – fantasy football team over here uh, on a video game. So you do, in fact, Tom, cultivate your offense, and you address the team about what you want to run. In fact, you can tell them what you're going to wear for that particular game, your uniform combination, what tape, which player is allowed to wear tape on their ankles, which ones aren't. You have the shields or no shields. I had a rule for my team, my team, Tom. When I talked to him before every game, I would let him know that we as middle linebackers are free to wear shields. A, it looks tough. You can have the the tinted visor. It looks tough as a middle linebacker, but I don't want them reading your eyes. So if you're a running back, 
You too can wear it because I don't want them reading your eyes. But if you are, you know, an offensive lineman, you don't need that tinted visor. Toughen up. I don't care where your eyes go. If you're a wide receiver, I don't want you wearing it. I understand you might make an argument about the sun. I don't want to hear it. Make the catch. There are certain guys that could wear gloves, certain guys that wore high tops, certain guys that wore tape at different parts of their body, all of it. I have rules position by position. That's a Jeff Cameron coach team, Tom. You'll know it when we take the field. That's how it works. Well, for me, it was more about the name of the recruit. I always loved when the new class was available because the names, the, the name generator that they had. I mean, now with AI generation, they can do all kinds of stuff. But in those days, man, there were just some names that the player is telling you who they are. So if you can get them to commit to you and mm, that little football mm. icon to go from red and mad to green and happy. And I was, by the way, cheated and helped not to get caught. I was lavishing them with gifts. That's the way <laughs> Coach Cameron does things around here. We're going to win some damn games. Well, and if his name was tough, then he does get the visor. If his name was blue collar, he gets the neck roll. You know, just mm, neck roll was a big nature one. of the name. If the kid's name was preppy as hell and he sounds like he was just teeing off with Charles Howell the third, not so much. He might get the turtleneck and a long sleeve, and that's all. You know, maybe that's what he's getting. So it just it depended on the name of the kid, and also the or the state of origin too. So state of origin was, was big. I had a rule, Tom, that every player that was from the state of Nebraska that I recruited, they were allowed to wear a neck roll. In fact, I think they were required to on my team. If you're from Nebraska, anywhere in Nebraska, you wear the neck roll. That's just the rules. I didn't. I don't make them. That's just how it works. Those have always been the rules. If you were from New York or New Jersey, you got the the armbands and no sleeves, but you wore like the sweatbands because like, that's just mm-hmm. something that's mm-hmm. very like in, in back in the day. It's not now, Chief. I'm in the zone. You remember that video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jaeger bombs. Yeah, like whatever made him look like Jaeger bombs guy. That would be what I do for that particular player. But if you came from Louisiana, man, you don't need anything. Like no. If you're a D-tackle out of Louisiana, there's no. nothing on you. We, we are in agreement here. Uh, when I recruited the kids, the defensive tackles in particular, and especially from Louisiana, Tom, I told them, don't come in here asking for tape. Don't come in here asking for elbow pads like you're a little child. Don't come in here worried about bruises. You're a defensive tackle from the swamps of Louisiana. You'll kill people with your bare hands. There will be no tape. And the small shoulder pads. That's right. Very small shoulder You just got to be a hoss. That's what you are. Just yeah. a hoss of a – you are out there living in the swamps, weren't you, son? Get out here. Let's go. I love it. Do you, re- do you remember the playbook that you ran on offense? Well, I told you. I, I told you I was always Army. Uh, I would – Coach Cameron doesn't like it easy. I would come in there, and I would whip those – I'd whip up my ponies – we would get the uh, we'd get army ready to go, and we run in the option. And I, I'm going to recruit out of the uh, I'm going to recruit you to run the option. It's uh, it's it travels cold weather. We're shortening games early on, Tom. We're shortening games around here, and uh, we're going to be rugged in the trenches. We're going to be able to run the ball. I'm going to throw off of it. Now I added a little bit more in the way of passing concepts to my option. I didn't want to be stifled against a bigger defensive line that was able to control the run game. Something just – okay, we're back on. <laughs> that was weird. I went off for a second. Uh, I didn't want that to happen, so I had elements of the passing game in there nicely, but it was it was perfect. So, for me, I was in the run-and-gun offense. I always like to have as oh, many options. We would have beat your ass, Tom. Uh, you that sounds very finesse to me. Uh, wouldn't happen. No, there was enough in the eye. There was enough in the eye to, to get it to work. Now – 
what I'm experimenting with is the spread. But I'm using director Matthews Eagles and Madden because good offensive line, power spread. That's mm-hmm. what I want to be. Mm-hmm. Power spread. That's going to be a lot of fun to, to build. Because I might even use some gap concepts. Thanks to Coach oh, Norvell. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm liking some counter here, Coach. Oh, Let's yeah. see if we run some little GT counter for that ass. I love it. I love running counter. It, it, we, Miami doesn't like to see it. But, boy, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. I'll run it all day long on Miami. They're like my wife, Donna. They do not like it. <laughs> the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, Seminoles, we all know how important it is to score in the red zone, but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone? Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. They're making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy. The Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word, KnollRetirement.com. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Sorry, I had to let that one play a little longer. A little mud crutch never hurt anybody. Got to do it. Steady missing Tom Petty. Chef Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. On Twitter, it's at Show. Time for us to solve for the future. Our friends at ISF, of course. And they know you want to do amazing things. You've got big visions and goals for the future, and you work hard to move your agency forward while navigating unique challenges, which are certainly inherent to government operations. It's a strategy firm, an IT strategy firm, in fact, is ISF for over 40 years now, serving state government and business clients. And they do it from right here in Tallahassee across the nation. They've been involved with over 1,500 projects and we love working and collaborating with our friends at isf making your life easier more efficient and helping others along the way that's what they've done we've documented by telling you that in specific uh, instances in which uh, agencies they've been involved with and helping streamline the process tom san francisco decided to uh solve for the future by firing their defensive coordinator today steve wilkes told to have a good one that didn't take long It was uh, all of a year. Grand opening, grand closing. They weren't bad on defense for much of the year. Began to wane towards the back end. I thought it was pretty funny, though, yesterday when he was asked about Wilkes. Actually, that was two days ago. (laughs) I love when coaches do this. He was asked about whether or not he'd be back for the upcoming season, and he said, that's that's stuff we're going to have to look at. (laughs) 
That's stuff we're going to have to look at. You just fired him on the spot. You get asked a question <laughs> about your D.C. after the Super Bowl, in which they played pretty well, and you go, eh, well, that's something we're going to have to look at. I think that has that's got to have a lot more to do with Green Bay and Detroit those two games than it does with the Super Bowl itself. That, Correct. That effort was valiant. If the offense bothered to do anything more in the first half, yeah, they would yeah. have been fine. No, I completely agree. Um, yeah, the the press at the time described Shanahan's quote, "It's something we're going to have to look at as non-committal." <laughs> that's the best. I I'd say. You think Steve was driving home and heard that audio clip and went, well, babe, start packing up. (laughs) That's the end of this. He did go on to say after firing him that he thought that uh, the defense was one of the reasons they got to the Super Bowl. He thought they had done a lot of good things in the game, but that Steve was not a good fit. So uh, they regressed. Under Wilkes, uh, they were number one in EPA per play in 2022. Uh, that dropped to uh, to 12 this year. Their run defense um, went from number two in the league um, to number 26. Tom, that'll do it. Uh, I don't know. It's it's tough to to win a Super Bowl if that's where you're at. And I think you know, I don't. Everybody's different, but I I know if I were coaching and I was an offensive mind, and I had a defensive coordinator that I was trusting. One of my mandates, with without question, would be you you cannot be bad against the run ever, ever. I know the game has moved to a passing game, uh, and that there's an emphasis on it. It's more efficient to throw the ball than it is to run it these days, especially with the rule changes. But at no point can we be near the bottom of the league in run defense because of the effect it has both on the offense, meaning you can't see the ball, and uh, secondly, what it does to emasculate you as a team. It is very difficult to operate and push people around when you can't stop the run. To me, that's more about philosophy, though. I, I don't know that this is a firing. because Personnel in the NFL shifts so much year to year. Your rosters are so thin. And guys, if you get a couple of key injuries, you're just completely hamstrung. And you got to find a way to scratch and claw. But I think when you say two to 26, that is pretty dire. That's pretty drastic. It's a toughie. But I think, I think head coaches, if they trust their coordinators, either side, if it's a defensive head coach with an offensive and, and vice versa, there's going to be variance in a given year with injury luck, the way the schedule lays out, you're built to be mediocre contract negotiations, all that kind of stuff plays into it. That to me is about behind the scenes because that non-committal quote was very committed to firing his defensive coordinator. Yeah. yeah. So that was this is this was already going to happen before the Super Bowl was even played. Well, here's an indicator, Tom, of what you're saying. And I I think it's certainly true. I've never read something like this about an interaction with a coach and an assistant coach and and had it turn out okay at the end of the year in either college or pro. I'm sure there are examples. But midway through this season, the 49ers gave up a ton of yards in in, in back to back games. I think it was in performances against Kirk Cousins and also Joe Burrow. And at that point, Shanahan announced that Wilkes would be taking his ass out of the booth and down onto the field. I, the days are numbered in that moment. In that, in the moment, we are like, you know what, man? Come on down, because this isn't working. Well, we're done here. The, the reason you're not succeeding has nothing to do with him being up there. Yeah, uh, well, and on the way out, if they say you're not a good fit, man, that's, that's in corporate terms, that's as 
harsh as you can go without being, you know, breaking the barriers of courtesy. Not a good fit is, um, that's pretty damning. Which leads me to ask you a question, perhaps about the future with coordinators at Florida State. Mm. Who's in higher standing right now? The offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator at Florida State? Well, the offensive coordinator we know uh, is, quote, Alex Atkins. Mike Norvell calls plays on game day. He is the he is the mastermind behind the offense. Um, so Mike's in a, in a is is well thought of, but if you're talking about Alex Atkins or Fuller, it is interesting, right? Did you ever think we'd be sitting here, even debating it, even weighing the question for a minute about what's going well and what isn't? I think there is a greater discussion to be had about both gentlemen and what we would project long-term for Florida State in the next four to six years, will either one of them be here? Four to six, assuming Mike Norvell is four, here. Yes, assuming Mike Norvell is here as the head coach at Florida State, will Alex Atkins and Adam Fuller be here four years from right now? No, neither will be here. That's and correct. I, I think that's, but that's probably normal coaching turnover, too. Mm. I, I yeah, but that's not why you said it. It is. Yeah, I think now if you were to play the game of who's more likely to be here in four years' time, Atkins. I think Atkins would be more likely to be here in four years' time versus versus Fuller. Well, I think it's an interesting discussion and debate, and you, people get emotional when you get into it because they think you're sliding people by saying that you think they'll move on. I, I – Think it, I think we could make a case if we wanted to. Both of us could. I, I could hand you the case for Fuller, and, 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 and I could hand you the case for Atkins, and then you in turn could argue the other side very easily. I think there are question marks about both gentlemen, and it's a weird thing to say after the defensive effort you just saw from this past year. Now, again, I'm incorporating every aspect of what they do. So that includes recruiting. That includes recruiting Big time. So it, they have work to do in certain areas that fall under the umbrella of your job as an OC or DC. And I'm not debating the schematics. I'm debating other aspects of what they're asked to do. I think for Fuller, the reason we're having this discussion is because Fuller had a really good year, like a really good year. I don't think it's it's that... Alex is is failing and, and Fuller is now succeeding. I think that Fuller caught Alex and passed him this past year in terms of standing. This is where I'm coming from here is that the defense had such a good year. Wow, look at that. They have some good players and look at what they put together. You know, I, I thought they were hamstrung and it was a little bit unfair two years ago to kill Adam Fuller for not having a defensive line. You know, like the, the lack of health in the defensive line, the lack of players in the defensive line, did lead to some lapses across the board because you couldn't set things the way you wanted to set things. It's it, it was crazy to me this year that how out of nowhere, when you have a good defensive line, it seemed like our pressure packages got better. Well, where did that come from? And it wasn't just from the defensive uh, back level, the linebacker level. We were surprising teams more. We were catching them off guard because they had to worry about dudes up front. I think that had to play into it a little bit. So he got the ingredients and then he cooked up a pretty good defense last year. And if they made the playoff, I think it was a good enough defense to win the national championship. Right? With that with that field, that defense was good enough to win the national title. And that's saying something. 
Now for Alex, what he's done on the other side, it's hard to know how they do in, in terms of game planning and sequencing and things like that. He continues to bring in dudes on the offensive line, but we have not seen that organic. Well, yeah, yeah. which is is something he himself calls for. He says, Mm -hmm. and I quote, my favorite thing to do is bench old dudes for young dudes. Right. Well, here's another chance this season early Armella and some others. Yeah, I'm waiting on that. I, I think there are little things to pick at here, and we always will when you're trying to win championships. You know, when you're trying to play for national titles and make college football playoffs and win conference titles and do those things, you have to be very, very um, forthright, honest with yourself as a uh, you self scout as a head coach. You, you have to ask, are we getting everything we possibly can? Uh, both out of our players, but also in the world of recruiting. Uh, you know, obviously Mike trusts them. He hired them. He, he believes in them. Uh, but I, I just think sometimes it's fair to ask questions. I think Alex took a step back in standing. I agree with you in terms of his overall reputation. Uh, there's still a kind of a wait and see here. Let's see what this year looks like. Cause last year, the offensive line was disappointing. They also had some injuries. That is a fair thing to note. Uh, Defensively, I do think they were incredible late in the year. I occasionally think that we may overstate how good they were because they played a lot of bad offenses, a lot of bad offenses for a long stretch. So that aided some of the numbers that we see that are off the charts. It doesn't mean they weren't good. It doesn't mean they weren't good. It's just some of those numbers are mind-bogglingly good, and I don't know that we think that they were that good. Uh, that's fair until the end of the season. What we saw was different. I mean, you can use your eyes and see. Yeah, the, the Louisville game, game, they dismantled that team, but that team could not block Florida State. That counts. It matters. You did what you're supposed to do when a team can't block you. I agree with that. They blocked Kentucky fine. I mean, you know, that's an SEC defensive line. They averaged whatever it was, uh, six yards a play, six and a half, and they went for less than three in that game. And they they had every incentive to win it. They They only had the one loss at the time, or maybe two, but they had every incentive to win it for – it wasn't like a, this was – well, we're just happy to be here. Like They they were there to play. They were well, there no, to that's win. What, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I'm saying that they were good. Florida State's defense was good. I just got done – my whole point was Louisville couldn't block them because those were good yeah. players. So that, that's the point. They had good players, and they played well. But most of – the collection of offenses late, I don't think you would deny, were not good offenses that no, Florida State I dominated. Not, I, I wouldn't deny that, but I would also say the first piece of evidence that we had last year was shutting out the Heisman Trophy winner in the second half. That so like, was awesome. Fuller does have signature performances. Both of them, actually, the two best have come against LSU the last two seasons. But even two years ago, when they were beating up on bad offenses, which they did, again, that, that is a true – how many backup quarterbacks did we play? Oh, like six. Two seasons ago. But in that stretch of three straight losses, and you could you could pin one maybe – maybe two of the losses on some uneven play on defense. You know, you go to NC State, you score 17 points, you're going to win that game. That game wasn't on the defense. I just, when you look at it now as a 24-25 game picture, they dominate bad offenses the way they should, and they do have some moments that you can pin on the wall and say legitimate badassery here. Yeah, you know, there's no doubt they we've moved to a place where I no longer, you know, I used to openly say I think they may end up having to move on from Fuller. I don't believe that right now. I, I think he's certainly earned his place here, and he's done very, very well. I, I think they have got to recruit better overall. Uh, both, both guys do, and I also will tell you, Tom, that the LSU game so encapsulates I think the way the fan base views Fuller. They gave up 300 yards and a half. They were awful on defense to start that game. 
For a half, LSU moved the ball up and down the field. If they hadn't gotten some breaks in that game early, that could have been a very different-looking game. But they did, and they made some of their own in the red zone. So Hell there's, yeah, there, there's yeah. that. They, they, bucked, they bucked up, they bowed up, and, and they made some plays there. But you can't give up that amount of yardage in the first half of a football game. Now, I understand who is against. The second half is where they assert themselves in a way where you could point to the performance and say it's awesome. And in some ways, I think that is a perfect encapsulation of who they are. We know they can be very good. But I don't know that we always trust that they're going to be very good. <laughs> right. But what you've seen is the better like, – this is the chicken or the egg discussion. The better the players are that we bring in – and this is all, this is, goes back to Bowden. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. The better the players, he knows what to do with them. If he gets them, yeah, he knows what to do with yeah, them. And, and, he, they're them. and they have gotten better in a lot of areas. Uh, you know, uh, maybe there are some that still stick out, and and we talk about that at length because they're the they're the sore thumb. We don't have five sore fingers anymore. Right. There's one sore yeah, thumb, so yeah. we talk about that. But they stand up and they make big plays. The, the blitz again. The the pressures got better this year. There was the, the one pressure was the play of the season with Deloach, but there were three or four like that that were game changing plays or big time plays. Uh, the secondary now finds the football that has improved. Um, you know, I think the way they covered against LSU and one of the goal line stands early in that first half, that's man to man me versus you. And there are two first round draft picks mm -hmm. on the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, three, if you count Daniels, but two receivers and one and one quarterback. I mean, it, there are some high points here for Atkins. I, I think it's just as simple as how about those high school kids graduating up the ranks instead of us leaning on kids yeah. that have been here for five and six years in the portal? Can we get there? Any chance we'll ever find that? another center? Right. I mean, we can keep asking a lot of these questions. I mean, I, I do think uh, – no, no, I, I, I know people think I come at it from a fire-a-guy standpoint. There, when the defense was not coordinated a few years back, I, I, was, I was obviously absolutely uh, – furious watching one hand not knowing what the other hand was doing that by definition you're the coordinator and they weren't coordinated so that that made it impossible to defend like I couldn't I couldn't defend him in that moment I'm like well look bad players good players if you're not coordinated doesn't make a difference like that was awful but then what we've seen since is much stronger performance after much stronger performance, and they just build on it, and they get better. You're right. They've got better players in here. I remember this is what Ira and I talk about all the time about Leonard Hamilton. Uh, we, we can't ever draw up an inbounds play. Why do we struggle so much to get an inbounds play? And, well, suddenly we got good players. We never had a problem with inbounds plays. <laughs> Everything worked out just fine. You know, when we couldn't score, well – you know, like, what kind of offense is this? We can't score. And then all of a sudden you've got some NBA players and you're lighting it up. You're scoring all the time. So, yeah, I, I get it. It's just fascinating to have the conversation because I'm no longer coming at it from hint, hint, wink, wink. I think this guy should be fired. I'm coming at it from, hey, listen, you've got to be vigilant with this when you want to be a championship program, when you want to be where George is at. You know, I mean, Georgia's the standard right now, and, and that means you have to check all the boxes. And Mike has to look at himself, and he's got to look at every coach, and he's got to look at every aspect of the program. And so nobody's ever kind of out of the woods there unless they build upon, build upon, build upon. You know, you have seven straight years of success. I'll give you a leeway for a bad year. Yeah, it's just what's going to suck as time goes on is this is, for me, a combination of two things. The feeling of last year – is like the COVID season for the basketball team where you don't get to see it through mm -hmm. and there's so much promise. But then it also is a combination of that and, and uh, 2015 where I felt like the 2015 football team had a defense that was worthy of the playoff, that was worthy of a national championship. 
we just were going back and forth between Maguire and Golson at quarterback. And, and you end up losing a game. You got no business losing against Georgia Tech. Uh, that was their only conference win that season. But they were flying high and had a chance when they traveled on the road and played Clemson, played Deshaun Watson. Oh, yeah. That game was close in the second half. They pull away. But it was because of the offense that year. You know, it was like this defense was just waiting. They were just – they were there. And, and they were at the level that they should be. I'm not saying that last year's defense was always like that. I'm just saying that what we saw the last eight quarters of football, even in the swamp, the way that front four operated looked completely on, a, on an elite level. It's almost like they knew they needed to go to this different place because Jordan went down and they were capable of doing it. Man, that was another championship-capable defense that we had this past year. It's why we uh, – you know, when we talk about question marks, I, I think a lot of people outside the program will say, how are you going to replace Jordan Travis? How are you going to – what are you going to do on offense? I don't ask that question so much, and it's not a shot at Jordan Travis. I'm asking a lot about, okay, I already think I would – I'm inclined. I already told you this. I'm taking the over on the nine and a half. So I have them as at least a 10-win team. When you and I did our, you know, W's and L's and had fun with it, we both went – you went 11-1, and one, I went 12-0. and 0. Now we obviously could change our minds with the next W's and L's, and we'll see what happens. And certainly after we see spring football, we'll have some opinions that might change. Um, I just want to know how you replace some of the, the veteran uh, production on defense. And I think they can. I think there are areas where they will improve certain players that are already here in place and then others that have transferred in that I think will make a big impact. But I do have more questions on that side of the ball, believe it or not, than I do offense. A lot of people are like, what? No Keon Coleman, no Johnny Wilson, no Trey Benson, no Jordan Travis, no Jaheim Bell, and you have more questions on the other side? Yeah, I do. Because a lot of those guys played hurt. A lot of those guys weren't productive at all in the second half of the season. And I think you just brought in a lot more speed and a guy who's played a ton of quarterback at the college level. I think it's going to be an easier transition than people think. I think they'll be better on the offensive line. I think they'll be able to better run the ball than they did a year ago. All of that will lead to easier uh, ways of moving the football and scoring points. I'm more concerned about the defensive side. Yeah, I think the number one thing, and this is why I like having these discussions, because it, it helps crystallize, you know, what you're looking for. Remember the difference between Akeem Dent on the field and not on the field. Right. And how everything was organized. Okay. He's out of the equation. Now, Ed, in the fact that you don't have either your linebackers lining up your front. So who the hell is going to do the communicating? Who the hell is going to do the organizing? Who is going to be the center fielder who has everybody where they need to go? And then at linebacker, who's going to be the guy in the middle of the field that says, all right, here's what you got to do. You're in the wrong gap, Daryl Jackson. You're, I mean, the setting up the defense, pre-snap, getting communication in from the sideline, organizing that from inside and out. We knew, and we saw it in, in practice as well, when Tatum Bethune got on campus, that immediately got way better at the linebacker level. Like, oh, here's a veteran who knows how to communicate, mm -hmm. get the information in quickly. And that's not nothing. When that goes away, you feel alone. Yeah, as a defender, <laughs> as a fan in the stands, yeah. you're like, we're not ready. We're never ready. So who are going to be the players that do that and take that mantle? Is it going to be Lundy? Is it going to be Murphy? Is it going to be Conrad Hussey? Shaheem plays closer to the line of scrimmage, so I don't know that's going to be him. Yeah, I would, I would I would, think Shaheem can some of the time. We'll see about Hussey. The only reason he didn't get to play a lot more last year is he had no idea what he was doing. 
So he'll have to come a long way there. I don't know about Murphy. He's new to the program. Uh, but, I mean, he's a kid that we're excited about. Obviously, if you're recruited to play linebacker at Alabama and you're now here, I think we're, we're right to be excited about you. But maybe maybe he can. I don't know. We got to see. They all, Everybody that came in said the right things. They all interviewed well. Uh, they all seem to have a great acumen for the game. Now we'll get to see it in spring. Like how does it how does it play out when you're in pads running around and you got to you know make tough decisions and you got to get guys lined up as you say. That is solving for the future. Our friends at ISF, forty plus years in business, clients relying on them to advise, protect, and advance their business and technology objectives. That's what they do. If you're in state government and you hear the sound of my voice here, reach out to our friends at ISF. Go to isf.com to find out more. Chef Cameron Show ninety three three Real Talk Radio or Chant TV. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. All right, friends, let's talk about Factor. That's right. Two-minute meals fuel you up fast. Factor's restaurant quality meals at that, ready to heat and eat whenever you are. I use them for my family. I use them every day to eat nutritiously, but also I'm on the go, and I want something calorie smart. There are times where I'll go a week worth of Factors for lunch, and I'll just go vegan or veggie. Other times I go pure keto. I can worry about, you know, whether it's vegetable uh, base or protein based or meat based or whatever it might be, they have the options for you all the way around. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout every time you do it. It's also flexible to your schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash Cameron50. I'm going to save you some money, guys. Do it up. It's delicious. Cameron50. Use code Cameron50 to get 50% off. That's code Cameron50 at factormeals.com slash Cameron50 to get 50% off. Trust me, delicious. You'll thank me. A lot of variety. Tasty. Factormeals.com slash Cameron50. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Well, that was a very long solving for the future. You got your money's worth, ISF. We, uh, <laughs> we that was a, a, a lengthy and detailed version of solving for the future, and I'm glad we did it. It was a fun conversation. Got me thinking about other aspects of the program that uh, I'll be watching very closely this year. And I know that today is one day away from start of college baseball, and Florida State uh, gets to Participate again and try to right a wrong from what was a year ago. A disaster. And, man, am I looking forward to it. Tom, I will have a tall, cold one on your behalf when I walk into Dick Hauser Stadium tomorrow. Yeah, this is uh, this is one of those days on the calendar, one of the, the first ones that, uh, that hurts uh, being there. Uh, I always made it out there for opening day. Always made sure to happen by the animals. Uh, I've got a gift or two from them, so I'm going to have to – 
or for them, I should say, every year. So I should find somebody to uh, to go run over there and, and continue that tradition. Uh, but it is always one of those things where, you know, up here where, where I am right now, if you say spring is coming, like that means something. At home in Tallahassee, like, well, it's always kind of warm here. We're, we're, it's <laughs> yeah, we really got like, it pretty good, uh, yeah. Well, the weather's pretty good. We're going to be okay. But I just I, – I love that sequence of time, especially when basketball is good. You know, when you've got baseball going, basketball finishing the season, softball kicking ass, and then spring football. Like, it's chaotic from a workflow standpoint on, on the site side. But that's always a really fun part of the calendar. And even though the stakes are high for these programs, it's not as live or die as one Saturday of football where there's, like, all the eggs go in this basket of a 330 kick on a Saturday and you're hosting Clemson. Like you just get to watch a lot of games and ebbs and flows. That's, that's what baseball is all about. It's about the weeks. It's about the weekend series rather than you lost 10 to six on a Friday. Well, you'll get them tomorrow. Now we need to start getting them tomorrow when we lose on a Friday. Cause last year there wasn't a whole lot of that. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of get back. They are early on uh, in Los Angeles, uh, the Genesis Invitational underway. Jordan Spieth having himself a day at minus 5 through 10. He's the leader tied with Patrick Cantlay. Will Zalatoris, my man! Will Zalatoris is 5 under through 7, Tom Wang, through 7. Good to see him getting back playing competitive golf after missing a year with a bad back. Victor Hovland's playing well at minus 4. That is a star-studded list atop there. Um, Sam Burns and good, good for you, Gary Woodland. He's at two under. I wasn't making fun of Gary Woodland. There we go, Gary. Whole bunch of other guys, but the uh, Tiger Woods watch. I wanted to update you on that. He's in the top twenty. He's at minus one. He's played nine, so he's making the turn and he's one under. So all right, four off the lead. Nine holes to play for his day. I think just about every one of his shots will be on when I get home today. There it is, buddy. There it is. I love the course. I love watching this uh, event because of the course, too. Uh, this is a great golf course. Uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, the first hole is basically a par four, even though it's a par five. Right. Tiger did make four to start. I watched the first couple of shots. Um, he ended up going birdie, bogey, bogey, birdie to start the day. I don't know what he did since then. The big question everybody wants to know, though, so Tiger's got a back nine. He's he's one under through nine. Mm-hmm. Is his score in the back nine higher or lower than the amount of Zaxby's that we have in the Tallahassee area? Oh, well, it would be considerably lower. Uh, I, I think <laughs> if he if he shoots an 83 on the back nine, he, he'll well, never play another round, Tom. So 83 Zaxby's here in Tallahassee, and you guys know that already. You listen to this show. You're well aware of the 83 Zaxby's and our love and affinity for all 83 of those Zaxby's. Proud Golden Chief boosters for over 19 years. Get you some Texas toast and some really tasty fingers and or the sandwich you could get the same there's so much goodness on the so much goodness on the menu there that is what you do so if you're going to a tailgate this weekend for baseball Boom. just go happen by one of the 83 zaxby's go grab yourself even if it's just hey can you bring something all right you're the guy who brings something be the hero go get the platter don't scrimp don't say i'm getting two boxes of zax fingers no 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 get, get the platter the platter people will love you- it They'll love it in the post game too. When you come back out, you know, the post gate is also a sneaky good time after the game's over. Post gate's awesome, especially if you win. But if you don't, 
you can commiserate with some delicious leftover Zaxby's that you have sitting there. And if you do, you can celebrate with delicious leftover Zaxby's. You're good to go either way. I just know that in a week we will be doing probables, Tom. We will be doing probables. We'll have to manipulate the music and all the rights and all the nonsense, but we will do it. We're going to have probables, and we're going to celebrate that fact, and it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. And I, for one, have already started early this morning over a cup of coffee. I went to my, you know, they automa- they're sneaky smart this way. They automatically renew your MLB package for the year. So I got a notice in my email while I was sipping coffee that, hey, buddy, charge your account 100 whatever. I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to be mad about that because I would have done it anyhow, but I would have liked to say, I would have liked to say in the matter, but they just, they alerted me to it. And you know what I did? I immediately went over there, threw it on the big screen while I got my son's breakfast ready. And there I was watching MLB Network Spring Training Edition. I was elated. It was fun. It was good. Good work out of you, Tom. Good work out of you, Director. Be well, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk tomorrow on Alibations Friday. Peace.